What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Shannon Smith, and welcome to another episode of the Successes Within Reach podcast. This is episode three, Leadership, Management, and Communication. I'm super excited this evening as we have two dynamic guests with us. First up, I want to introduce Miss Aisha Thomas. <laughs> there she is. Uh, she helps corporate and business leaders improve awareness, performance, communication, and diverse talent management. She's also an author of two phenomenal books. Ms. Thomas, how are you doing this evening? Hey, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And our next guest is Mr. Corey. S is it Sigu or Sigu? Sigu. Sigu. There we go. <laughs> All right. And he's an uplifter, a servant to the people, an elevator for others, and someone who needs not bear a title. This man knows leadership and management like the back of his hand. Sir, how you doing this evening? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. How y'all out there? All right. All right. Let me switch our background up a little bit here. All right, just want to remind everybody you can join in the conversation and submit your questions at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. Without further ado, let's get into it. Question one is, what are the differences between a leader, a manager, and a supervisor? We'll start with Ms. Thomas. <laughs> to be honest, there's not really much a dif much difference with each one of those individuals. I, I because essentially we're all in the work of serving the people, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, we were talking earlier about the importance of understanding our client and our customer. So of course we have the organization, right? The organization hired us, they, they put us on the job. And then you also have maybe your supervisor, your CEO or whoever you report to. And then you have your, your, the team that you're over. So you're supervising them, you're managing them, you're leading them because leadership is in each one of those roles. So again, you have your team of individuals. So it is still going to be a level of management in regards to understanding how to engage that team, how to support that team, how to lead that team effectively so you can get to the big picture. So you might have your individual goal within the team that you have. You might have the goal that you have for that you want your um, supervisor, your direct uh, supervisor that you want to reach for your supervisor. And then you have the organizational goal. So you have those three levels of clientele, but they all are levels of leadership. And yes, they might vary. There are different tiers of leadership. There's different tiers of management, but each one of those individuals are a leader. They just might have different roles and responsibilities depending on the organization that they work for. But I want us to recognize that regardless of what role you're in, supervisor, manager, whatever they want to call you, front, front, super front line, back line, up line, you are still a leader and you're still there to serve. Typically, again, you have the client, you have the customer, that's your team, you have the organizational goals, and then you have the goal that you want to reach for that supervisor you report to. So each one of those are your um, team members and you have to learn how to lead in every single one of those situations to serve all those different goals. Nice. Corey, what's your take on this? Yeah, and so so for me, I just think that it's it, all of these things are just titles for people to have, right? Like we go home and we can go like it's like Thanksgiving is coming up and you could be like, man, look, what, so what do you do again? Oh, man, I'm a supervisor for such and such. Uh, I'm a manager for whatever. I'm a team lead. Like it's just a title, right? And so the mm -hmm. thing we have to realize is, is that we can walk in the title. And I said, even in, even in the intro, right? Like I'm a man, I, I don't need a title to lead, right? 
but we, what we want to realize is this is just simply just something it, you, it's a role that you're playing right we have to look at these terms as support roles whether you're a manager you're managing a business you're managing a structure you're managing the scope of a duty or something like that all you're doing is playing a role to somebody else that you need to support your supervisor people say well I, I need to supervise your actions i need to supervise what you're doing over here i need to supervise your metrics right all i'm doing is supervising it so that i can support you on how to get better like it always comes back to how do we support the person to come better and we it, it's just roles there's no man in the ivory tower. There's no woman in the ivory tower. There's no king on the throne, queen on the throne. It's just simply, this is my title. That's cool. But let's even think about it too. When you think about mom, dad, what is that? That's a title. That's leadership, right? When you think about brother, sister, that's a title, but that's leadership because your big brother might teach you something. Your big sister might teach you something, right? If you're somebody like me, I'm a little brother. I might teach you something, right? So it's just a title. So just we just have to understand that these are just some things that it, look scratch everything away. Take the title, take the take the the job function, I guess, and then say, okay, so what is it really? It's just a support role, right? There's mm -hmm. there should be really no difference because you're just developing from a different scope. Nice. So just off of question one, now y'all see why I'm super excited to have both of them on here this evening. <laughs> Right, and then, and and just like and just to piggyback off what Corey said, I mean, again, we have to remember that we are leaders regardless of what role we play. I always mm -hmm. um like even when I go talk to youth, I tell them that leading is inevitable because just like Corey highlighted, you're a leader in the household. You know, maybe you're a parent. Mm -hmm. Um, you might be a big brother, big sister. So we have to realize that the role leader or that um aspect of leadership comes in so many different realms that we have to do and the skills and the tools that we learn to execute on that roles are pretty similar and yes so there's leadership and role yes you go hey, you go and um you look for a job and they hire you as a leader but, but for a lot of us leadership is something that we will essentially it's inevitable because again we're doing it in our homes we're doing it for family we're doing it in mentorship so leadership is mm -hmm. is going to be a skill that you want to really develop or regardless of role or what role you don't choose to be in. It's something that we just have to really, really take serious and learn how to do. So that's an interesting perspective. And I, I think it leads us, it's a perfect segue to lead us into our next question. Do you believe that leaders are born or that they're made? Like this, this is an age old debate. You know, some people say, no, I'm a, I'm a born leader. And then some people say, well, no, I went to school. You know, I took the training and I learned how to become a leader. So what is your take on it? Do you think that leaders are born or that they're made? And we'll start it's, with Corey. Oh, start oh, with Corey. No, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. So um, so here's the thing. Right. And I, I, I love this question. I was just talking about this. Right. So. I don't think that anybody's born a leader. I don't think that we're just, you know, just God, whatever your faith is, God dropped us on the earth and they were like, you're the leader. I don't mm -hmm. think that because that would mean that you were predestined to start this position. Because if you think about back in the day, kings and queens were appointed to do what? Lead, right? But they typically had the money, right? They typically had the status. If you go into like old ages, if you go into like, I was watching uh, Apocalypto for those of you who, who've seen that before, right? They had the king and he was like the, the guy calling the shots. Like that just means that for some reason you were born and you were just like, yep, that's that's what you're going to do because that's your purpose, right? I don't mm -hmm. think that anybody's born. I think that people are made and people are forced through the fire on leadership, 
right? I should just say something earlier. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna steal her thunder. But the thing is, even for myself, I used to I, I remember one I re, Shannon, I remember one of these uh surveys I got back on myself. Basically, everybody was like, cool guy, love to be around him, I'll work for him, all this stuff, all this great stuff. Mm-hmm. His environment is phenomenal. He just never holds us accountable. And I was like, God, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I shouldn't have to tell you how oh, wow. to do your job, right? <laughs> and so that's the thing is like that I had to learn from that. Okay, cool. Now, mm-hmm. boom, I got an accountability piece. Now I can build on that. So I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, boom, I know that I'm really good at this. I just had to tweak it. You know, some people go in with the power and the thunder. They're like, ah, I got the power, right? And they just, mm-hmm. you're going to do this like old football coach style, right? Don't ask questions. Don't do none of that. Just do what I told you to do and be quiet about it. Right. So there might be some tweaks. I think about Nick Saban. It works for him, but I'm pretty sure he has some people yeah. on his staff that create that environment <laughs> that people want to be there, if not the championship. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so they're, they're not really born. They're made. Right. And for anybody out there, whether it's your communication style and I'll and I'll preface it with this. I think there's only a specific group of people in the world who are just really just socially awkward. And I'll just be honest about it. And they get into situations and you have to lead a group of people and they're like, you, you know, y'all know that kid, like that old man when it's like, when you want, when you, when you, when you wish you were like, that's that type of person. Right. Like, and they just, it just kind of doesn't come off. Right. But even you can get training to be able to fix that. Mm-hmm. I just, I thoroughly think that if you take everything that's given to you, if you take your past experiences, if you take your future, like where you're trying to go and then build yourself to be that person, the leadership is going to come. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right, Aisha, what you got? <laughs> so scientifically, <laughs> right? Scientifically, what it is is that some people are born with natural traits. Some people are just naturally, you know, um, great of like being like not want to say thrill seekers, but maybe decision makers. So there are studies that have shown that people have certain attributes that a leader needs. But just like Corey said, although, yes, you might have one up because maybe you're great. You've had this great decision making skill. You've been able to rationalize since you were young. But essentially, like he said, those skills and those abilities have to be nurtured. You have to develop those. And just like we know that leadership needs to be customized on our earlier live where we're doing our business and leadership Q&A. We talked about how we need to realize that as leaders, we have to constantly evolve and innovate. We talk about innovation Mm -hmm. all the time and what we think about products and services, but we don't realize that we have to innovate how we connect. So we were talking about the multi-generational, how you have Gen Zers that are coming into these businesses and these organizations. You have millennials where I fall under. I'm an elder millennial, but I fall under that. But you have all these I am. I'm an elder millennial. But you I have all these different. Like I'm an elder in there, you know, because I'm like ah Gen X. I'm like there, but then I'm here. But anyway, <laughs> but um, what we have to realize is that as we're going into workspaces, as we're going into different rooms, we have to shape how we lead. We have mm-hmm. to change that up. So you might go into an organization. I've been in organizations where most of the people have been introverts. We don't have to worry about having a little powwows and go out to lunch every week. And I've been in organizations that a lot of them have had to be uh, one of those spaces where you had to interact. And as an introvert, that was hard for me, but I had to shape and mold and switch up how I did things. So yes, you have your basic soft skills. You need to be 
able to communicate. You need to have the decision-making skills. You need to be able to multitask, but essentially leadership is something that constantly is changing and evolving and you have to constantly change and evolve. So are leaders born? No. You're born with certain skills. You might have certain attributes that might be effective, but you even have to even sometimes identify when you want to tap into that, when you want to utilize that, when is it the best time to utilize that attribute that you have? So we have to realize that it's something that is consistently developed and it's, we are constantly being made, as you say. Yeah. And so, so look, I got, I got one more thing for that too, though. Right. So okay. when you talk about the elder millennial, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to talk about the elder millennial. <laughs> um, so when you're talking about your different, your different styles, right? So something that people may not know is like, I should, she's like, I hey, mean, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't really like being that. Meanwhile, I'm in a group and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Like, um, you know, the, I remember the first time that we ever met, right. We were, we were going through the airport and she was like, how did you just talk to all these people for like, and you just held a conversation with this guy. But the thing is you have to learn how to leverage that. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there are certain things that Aisha can do that. I'm like, eh, that's not me. Right. And there's mm -hmm. certain things I eat just talking to random strangers while eating, eating lunch or dinner or whatnot. And she's like, yeah, I don't even know how you did that <laughs> because there's just, <laughs> you have to understand who you are and then be able to leverage that. So the thing is, right. even as certain people think, well, I'm not an extrovert, I'm not a leader. That's not true, right? It's just mm -hmm. how you build that skill. There are, there are countless successful introvert leaders. There are countless successful extrovert leaders. So it's just, how do you build that skill set? So I, I really liked what you had said about that. Definitely. And I mean, looking at the comments, I think you're going to have to hashtag elder millennials. <laughs> Listen, come through elder millennials. OK, we've been there where it was like, oh, yeah, I remember when we didn't have Internet. But I remember when we did have Internet, like we've been through. So I'm an elder in these millennial streets. I'm saying. Oh, with you on that one. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got uh, what are the essential non-negotiable qualities of a great leader in the workplace? And we'll start with Aisha on this one. I mean, when you think about non-negotiables, I mean, again, you have to first, again, that's why I'm big on emotional intelligence and really understanding mm -hmm. who you are first. Because as I mentioned, even on the marketer cipher, how a lot of people go into leadership and they haven't taken time to analyze and identify who they are. What are your values? Why do you want to be a leader? Mm -hmm. We did a uh, series, We, um, um, the Act and Lead team, Corey and Tyrus were a part of, we did this series and we were talking about the CEO of WeWork or the former CEO and how he was so driven by money that now it started to affect how the company was run. I mean, you had investors that was investing in the company. I mean, dude was working out at work, walking around with his shirt off, sweating all over people's papers and stuff. He had a jet. He had a Maybach. He fired people and then had a party right after. And it's like we don't really take time and really analyze and assess why we want to lead. Why do you want to start that business? Is it solely because of money? So it's going to be so important that you identify for yourself what your values are. Identify what, you know, what your non-negotiables are and really figure out if the organization or what you're doing is in alignment. So that that's really going to be a, a self-assessing process. Okay, I know I'm about that bag. 
But I know if I go to this company here, they're about community and I don't care about community. And I know that sounds crazy, but some people are mm. solely about the bag. So why would you go work for a community organization when you're really about the bag? So non-negotiables are something that is a individual. I don't want to say what you shouldn't do or what you should do. That's an individual journey. But essentially, when you're going into service, into business and you want to build a team and you want to connect and be effective, you really want to make sure that you assess your values, why you uh, believe believe that this is how things should be run, why you believe that this should be how, you know, you process things. And then from there, identify again, where was this? I always talk about the leadership worldview. Where was your worldview created from? What made you believe that this is what you needed in order for you to look good? Like, why did homeboy think he needed all these things? And really mm -hmm. go through that deep dive of self-assessment to figure out, is my worldview accurate? Because what my non-negotiables might be, I might think it's crazy. Like, that's your non-negotiables? I would think that you'll be like, I would never sell myself out. But you don't mind selling yourself out. So I think it is an individual journey that you need to go through to I truly identify what your beliefs are, identify what your values are, what your worldview is, figure out why it's that way and really make sure that when you go into business, it's in alignment with the people and the team and the organization you connect with because that's where a lot of leaders mess up at. They go into something with mm -hmm. one idea and then they're like, I didn't know that I had to care about you guys, but I do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and because I do, and because I don't care about you guys, everything is gonna tank. So really make sure that's something you um, go through. And again, I, I can give you specific ones, but that's a journey that you'll have to figure out as a leader on your own so you can make sure it's effective and it's really going to be beneficial for your business, your brand, or the organization you support to move forward. Yeah. And uh, man, how do I go after that? No, I'm just, I'm just playing. I, I don't what, even know. <laughs> what, so, so I think the first thing for me, or the first two things really is transparency. Your mm -hmm. level of transparency can vary. I'm a very transparent person when I'm with my team. I'm a very transparent person when I'm around people. Um, the level can change. Uh, but if I'm working together with you, if I'm if I'm really with you and we rocking together, I'm transparent. Right. Like I'm not one of these mm -hmm. people who's just going to. Well, you don't know anything about my life. You don't know anything about my hobbies or anything that I do, because the best way to build a great team because you are a leader is to get by in Right. And so people, mm -hmm. again, people never buy into the, to your position or your title or whatnot. People buy into like what you're doing this for. Right. And so when they come in and they say, hey, you know what? I want I want you to be the best person that you can. Or you like I should say, you got some people who's like, let's go get the bag. Right. And you got some people if you are transparent with them and you're like, look, I'm trying to get this bag, man. Other people might come in and be like, well, let's get this bag together. Right. Let's let's figure mm -hmm. out how we all get the bag. But there's a level of transparency that you have. And, and I think that plays into my second piece of authenticity. You have to be who you are all the time. Um, I, I don't know very many great leaders who are not themselves. And they put this facade up in front of people. And then when they go home, they're like this completely other, like different person. Right. Um, they may be you might have some slight tweaks here and there because you don't want to bring that to the workplace. But for mm -hmm. the most part, this is who I am. And people buy into that and people will love you and people will be ready to run through a wall. People will be ready to do whatever. You could be like, hey, can you go hang that up on the rafters up there? That's not even in your job description. They'll be like, you know what? I got you. Don't worry about that. So the transparency, authenticity. And then the, the, the third thing, because I agree with everything that Aisha said, is every leader should have some level of accountability and some level to stretch people. Mm -hmm. If you're not stretching people, I don't know if you're leading people. 
And the reason I say that is because if I work for you, right, or or I'm running a business and I have my team or whatnot, if I'm not pushing you to get better as an individual, if I'm not if I'm not pushing you to say one day soon, you won't work for me. Right. And whether that's a promotion within your, your workplace, whether that's you going and doing your own thing, if you're an entrepreneur or whatnot, you should be pushing people to be like, I hope one day soon that you don't report to me because simply because I pushed you to the next level. I pushed mm-hmm. you to the promotion. I pushed you to a different department. Right. In a good way, like not pushed you because <laughs> you, you can't quite get this job function right. But I pushed you. Right. So I think those things, transparency, authenticity. And then and then you need that push. Right. Like you need to stretch people. Definitely, definitely. I, I mean, that, that question in itself was a TED talk. <laughs> like, it's, it's so many directions you can go on that because, I mean, that there's a, a set of, like you said, non-negotiables that's up in the air. You know, that that's a whole different uh, journey that, like you said, depends on you, depends on what you're trying to get out of your leadership position, depends on what the company is trying to get out of you, what they're trying to get out of your team. But as far as essential qualities, I, you know, I think both of you hit it right on the head. And especially, uh, when you were saying about the transparency and authenticity part, like the people that you lead, they're going to know who you are and they're going to know quickly. They're going to know if you're putting on a, a mask in front of them and they're going to know if, okay, this is, you know, who this person really is. They do have a vested interest in what we're doing. They do want to see me succeed. They're not just in it for themselves. They are about the team and they're trying to get this W for everybody. You know, pe- people see right through that. So I, I think that was a, a very great point that you brought up. Yeah. And and so just one more thing, right? So it's just, you said people see it like immediately understand that we are we are adults right unless you are a team leader of children that they can't quite function on how to figure out and really that's like age 12 and younger maybe 10 and younger now with the the way these these kids are nowadays they're gonna see it immediately and so it made me think about one time i took over this team and uh they were like you know what you're you're very down to earth and it's like i can tell that you're being yourself man my last supervisor I always wonder, like, is his marriage okay? Because there's no way that he goes home and acts like this. And I was oh, like, wow. listen, <laughs> I've had those same assessments. Like, does your spouse know you like this at work? Right, there's no, there's no, you can't be like this at work. Uh, like, do they know? Because, like, you'll have some people who are whole tyrants and they got family and kids, and you're like, what? Who are these different peoples? You got friends? What's worse is when you see them when you're out and about and then you you're like, okay, how do I approach them? And then they're all, hey, how you doing? And it's like, hold on, you don't even say good morning at work. Right. (laughs) I think the worst thing that you can ever get as a description to yourself. And I've I've heard this about many people. Great guy. Great girl. Terrible, terrible leader. I think Mm. I'm not sure how that correlates with each other. Great guy. I'm not sure why it's not connecting as the leadership aspect. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Next up, we have what is the best way for an employee to lead their team without major disruption if the designated leader is actually a manager or a supervisor? So the person that's in charge of the team is only concerned with managing the project, managing the tasks, supervising people's timesheets, but 
really could care less about morale and motivation. So how does a, an employee maneuver and keep their team going, keep the morale going and, and lead everybody without causing a lot of friction and disruption? Man, so look, I, I got the perfect scenario for this, y'all. Like you asking all the questions <laughs> that I needed today. So look, <laughs> leadership, does again, it doesn't have a title, right? So you are free to, with, and I'll get into this in a second, you are free to lead within your group, right? And to be honest with you, many leaders love when you lead within the group, as long as it's not such a disruption that we're saying, hey, this the goal is to get X. And you're like, no, we're going to do Y because I said so. Mm -hmm. That's completely, that's when you start to disrupt the workplace, right? That's when you disrupt your team. But here's the thing. You have a lot of people, and I call these people Band-Aid managers, right? So because they, mm -hmm. they see the problem, put a Band-Aid on it. Okay, we fixed. We stayed off a list. Uh, I approved your time. I'm not really developing you, but I've, I'm making sure that the administrative work is done and you get your paycheck on time, right? And the people that I report to are asking questions. So we must be doing fine, right? And so I had an individual come up to me one time. She said, I never get coached. I never get developed. Uh, when I ask a question, it's like, it's as if I'm, you know, irking her nerves right now. And mm -hmm. so I said, okay, well, why don't you just rally the team? And she was like, well, that's not my job. And I said, ah, well, let's talk mm -hmm. about this. You are directly responsible for the environment that you work in, right? So if you're a leader, if the person mandated with the title isn't doing the thing that you want to do, rally your team around it, right? And no one will ever be mad. No other manager, no director, no vice president, none of your peers will be upset if you say, you know what? You can actually, y'all take this with a grain of salt. You can oust the situation that you're, that you're in currently when you say, you know what? In my group, we want to have fun, but we want to be great mm -hmm. while we're doing it, right? So we're putting up numbers, we're having fun, we're joking around, we enjoy coming to work now, right? We're getting our job done because ultimately that's what needs to be done. And we're giving this manager, supervisor what they need, right? Which is probably performance and it's probably compliance on what needs to be done. But within that, let's rally the team together because I'm sure that other people are also, you know, in this state of misery. So what you need to do is then take yourself and say, I want to be literally be the change that you want to see and rally your team around that and get other people bought in. And if your supervisor or your manager or your director, whoever that is, has an issue with it at that point, how crazy is it? And I pose this to a lot of people. How crazy is it if someone approaches you and says, hey, I know y'all are doing your job. Y'all are just kind of having too much fun. If that happens. I, you know, I think you need to leverage your own talent at that point. But I definitely believe that you you have to get the buy in at other places. And to be honest with you, once you do that, that supervisor will probably just be like, oh, yeah, they got it. And then continue to do the same thing. And y'all are in y'all are in the situation you want to be in. So. And I want to pivot another perspective for it. I think it's also a challenge for you as a supervisor and a manager, because I'm assuming you want to get to that level. I, I want you to challenge yourself to have a conversation with that leader and identify mm -hmm. and saying, this is what the word on the street is. And here are my ideas. These are the things that I want to address. This is the, these are the things I want to cover. But having that riggedy, I call it the riggedy raw conversation, it's uncomfortable, <laughs> but that might be the conversation that you need to have. I've created mm -hmm. a culture and that's the blessing of COVID. Like COVID has allowed me to self-reflect as a leader. It's challenged me a lot. 
And I've got, I had pivoted into a season because I'm one of those people who will internalize my emotions, but then I wear my emotions on my sleeve. So if I don't like you, I'm going to be on the call. Like when you talk and everybody laugh and I'm going to be like, <laughs> and then the leader's like, Aisha, you can't do it. People are watching you. You're right. Mm -hmm. So I pivoted to a season where I had to start having more uncomfortable conversations. The first one was the hardest one possible. I had to turn my camera off because I was crying. Like I, I had all these emotions wow. that I had balled. I'm serious. I internalize. I push that thing down. And when it comes up and when I get, you know, I'm one of those people who cry when they get mad too. So I'm one of those people. But I had to verbalize it to external, like to, to actually communicate what the issue is. And after I got over that one conversation, now I was able to have a lot more. So if you are, if your goal is to essentially get to that level of a leader, this is also a challenge for you. How can you grow in this moment? Corey had some mm -hmm. great tools and tips. Okay. You can actually go in and say, listen, well, I'm going to come up with some strategies and ways to really make the team gel well and create and change this climate. But what are you guys doing to have, like, what kind of conversations are you having? Are you guys having meetings? Are you sharing your ideas? Are you connecting with one another? And then if not, try to have that conversation because a lot of times, so some people are so close to it and they don't even see the other perspective. My supervisor had to tell me, and again, for people who might not know, I'm in the military. So my military leader had to say, I, I was so ingrained in what was going on. I couldn't see myself from her lens. So she mm -hmm. was able to bring in a fresh new perspective and said, Aisha, people are watching you. People look up to you. They da 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 da. So how you're showing up is not the best way to show up. And I'm like, I didn't even know I was showing up that way, ma'am. Okay, let me backtrack. So mm -hmm. yeah, that conversation might actually be needed because now this might be that level of accountability Corey was talking about. Maybe you guys can start mm -hmm. creating and gelling and meshing and create a uh, partnership or a leadership type of uh, accountability si situation where now you can play on each other's strengths now you can say, okay, this is what I noticed. This is how we can play on each other's strengths. Okay, you have some great ideas. Let's launch it. And now, now you guys are working as a team. And of course, if this is one of those situations where they don't want to hear it, they don't want to like, you know, they don't want to necessarily like pivot and change again, just like Corey said, implement those changes and leverage that opportunity because now you can have that as an opportunity for you to be highlighted. So when a uh, one of my team members say, oh man, what you did was so great. Can you put that in an email for me and send that to? Okay, thank you. Can you, mm -hmm. oh, you bought that? Okay, can you? And again, leverage that opportunity so now if that person isn't listening, now maybe the higher ups can start to notice that revenue is going up, um, clients are happy, and now you will be recognized. But I want you to try in this season to start having those uncomfortable conversations because you never know if that conversation is that per is what that person needs so they can stretch. And then you're also stretching yourself because now you are going at communication in a very effective way that's gonna benefit you in the future as you move up to the different levels of leadership. Definitely. Like, I, I think that question is so important because a, a lot of people, I mean, let's just face it, they feel like the person that's their supervisor or their, or their manager, they're only holding the title. They're not embodying the actual position, you know, and a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I don't want to rock the boat and say anything or I don't want them to feel like I'm trying to take over. It's not about taking over. You know, like Corey alluded to earlier, you're on that team. So you're partially responsible for the environment of that team, you know? And like Aisha was saying, forget the whole, you know, um, 
I don't want to rock the boat mentality. You have to have that uncomfortable conversation. Like you owe it to yourself, if anybody, to work in an environment that's productive and that's positive. So why sit there and have this mentality of, oh, well, I don't want my supervisor getting mad or I don't want them to think I'm trying to steal their position. So what? If you're if you're bettering the team, if you're helping to improve productivity, take that leap, have that conversation, boost that morale, motivate your team. You know, if your supervisor will realize it when your team is all coming to you and they notice their email isn't jumping, their phone isn't jumping, nobody's stopping past their office. They'll get in line because, you know, like Corey was saying earlier, what supervisor is really going to say, oh, man, y'all having too much fun. Numbers are going too high. <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. And if they do, then you got a whole nother conversation to have. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, it, and, the, and the biggest thing is, is just understanding that you have to the, the three the three management, I guess, styles or directions you, you got to go. Right. Manage down, manage out, manage up. Right. So in this position, it sounds like we're talking about like a like a line type of position. Right. Like an entry level uh, maybe a couple steps up or whatnot, not really in the in the leadership position left. Learn how to manage up. And those are some difficult mm-hmm. conversations. And I, I I had an individual one time I coached her through a conversation, how to have it. And her her supervisor actually took a step back, thanked her for it. And then actually he took mm-hmm. a step down because he was like, you know what? After I had that conversation, I did some self-reflecting and yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I'm able at this point to give you what I need to give you. So let me go oh, ahead and wow. step down because I don't want to hinder your growth. And that's big. That's this pivotal to have these conversations, because like I should say sometimes you're in the thick of it and you, you can see the trees, but you forget that you're in the forest. Mm-hmm. And come and come with solutions come with solutions, we can identify and say, okay, this is what the consensus of the team is. This team has identified that they want to go to lunch every month. They want to um, have, instead of you meeting with them every six months for a midweek, mm-hmm. a mid-year review and the annual review, they want to have regular check-ins. Okay, so this is the ideas and the plans I'm thinking that could work for both of us. And we can split the time this way. So now you're going in, you're identifying this is the pain points. Okay, now that we've identi- uh, identified the the pain points. Okay, these are some strategies and some solutions, some solutions that I found that could potentially work. What do you think versus saying, well, I think you should do this. I think you should do this. Bobby and them mm-hmm. said you acting like this. This is what y'all doing. But now you've gone in and you went in strategically. I have this poll. I have this data here. Now these are some solutions. And now the way you're going to make sure it, it doesn't look like you're just trying to take over. What do you think? I have some I have some solutions. Some people recommended. What do you think? I think we can work together and come up with some great ideas. So these are some ideas. So, hey, give me your feedback. And now you guys are working as a team within the mm-hmm. leadership team. So coming with solutions versus just pointing out the issues. Like that is that is so key what you just said, because you you have to understand, depending on the mentality of your supervisor, they may get defensive if you just come in there with complaints. But when you take the solution based, you know, strategy with your conversation, it brings their shoulders down, it brings the walls down, no bricks up. And they're like, okay, we can sit here and really look at this. Maybe they didn't understand that things were as bad as they are because they're only focusing on what their job is. You know, sometimes they need to have the blinders taken off so they can see the full scope of what's going on, you know, so that that's very, very vital, you know. 
right, next up we have, and I know this is big for Aisha. What is more important, a leader with a high IQ or a high EQ? And I you know, this is my this thing. One. Okay, so now we're in the <laughs> realm of emotional intelligence. And for many people, um, they're not a they don't have that level of understanding of they just this isn't a, this isn't the language that a lot of us um, are hearing or learning about, right? Mm -hmm. So we have the high IQ aspect. We go to school, we get the certifications, we get the skills and all these things that we think is gonna benefit us in leadership. But what studies have shown is individuals with the higher EQ, the emotionally, the emotional quotient, AKA emotional intelligence, actually are more successful. You can have somebody with mm -hmm. a average IQ but high EQ and they will run circles around that leader that has a master's degree, PhD, all these certifications. Why? It's because they have mastered emotional intelligence. So now there's two aspects of emotional intelligence. You have the aspect that is about you personally, that self-awareness and self-management. Are you aware who you are? Do you know how you show up? Do you know your strengths of blind spots? And now, now that I know my emotions, and again, we need to stop looking at emotions just from the aspect of happy, sad, angry. Under happy, mm. there's levels to happy. I'll be on a call with the straight face and they're like, what's wrong? I'm fine, right? I'm on a different, <laughs> versus when I'm on a call and I'm cracking yeah. jokes, I'm still fine. So there's different levels of our emotions, but we've learned it from such a basic lens instead of knowing the levels, right? And it's the same mm -hmm. thing for us. There are levels to us. We are driven by emotions on a regular basis. Everything we do is emotional based. I'm giving you all this because I'm passionate. That's an emotion, right? Yeah. So, you know, when Corey talks, he's excited with, oh man, I'm so, like there's different emotions that you're going to see even in this conversation, but we are literally driven by emotion. And we're for many leaders. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys, I'm excited. You see the passion and emotion. So for many of us, we don't know, we're not aware of how we, I call it the show up. How are you showing up on the regular basis? What mm -hmm. emotional wellness do you have? How can a bad traffic experience make you go into work and now your whole day's messed up, you're mad at everybody just from you being in traffic for two hours? So that's where the self-management comes in. I know when I walk into this door, I need to speak. I need to say good morning. I know Betty likes me to have a two-minute conversation with her. John wants me to shake his hand and ask him how his kid was. So again, it's learning how to manage the different levels of emotions. Now on the other side, it is now you need to be aware of other people so you can influence their behavior. I know that mm -hmm. when Betty comes in and she's upset, I know that Betty likes, you know, this type of coffee or she, I know this is what's going to connect with her. So now how can I make sure that I connect with her, help her pivot from this situation so now I can influence those good vibes and now she can be more productive. So those are the layers of EQ that you need to know because we are driven off of emotion. That is the most dominant part of the brain. Even children, when you guys say, were you thinking when you did that? They worked because their emotions <laughs> are the driver. The amygdala yeah. is the main dominant piece in most children's um, brains for uh, as we're developed. So the practical thinking doesn't really mature until you're in your mid-20s. And if you add someone that's been through trauma like myself, if you've dealt with somebody that's been through some events that's shaking up their lives, that's why you have some adult babies, because they have mm -hmm. not been able to tap into that rationalization part of the brain. So we literally need to have a level of understanding of how to be aware of our emotions, how we show up, 
how we can influence and pivot that. And again, now we need to also do it as leaders where we understand how people are showing up and how we can influence those behaviors. So EQ is always going to outrun or outbeat IQ because we are driven off of emotions. And once you can master that, even when we make buying decisions, you know, people based off of our uh, base of their marketing off of our emotions. Mm-hmm. Marketing, a lot of these um, um, social media companies are learning about how to manipulate our emotions because that is the main source of how we move. So now as a leader, if you master EI, your EQ, you get to that next level. Now you can implement that in how you lead versus just saying, I got a master's degree. Now you can tap into that and now your leadership style and your leadership level is going to be off the roof. So that's why you need to really start to have an understanding of your EQ versus your IQ, because once you master that, now you are taking your leadership to a whole nother level. Okay, there's my rants. In <laughs> her bag. <laughs> and so, so, and the thing is, we have to understand that we work, we work with a, or we, we live with, we survive with a people who are not focused on logic, but they are focused on emotion, right? We act off emotion. Mm -hmm. And so when you understand that, that gives you your answer. What's more important, IQ or EQ? I was always taught as a a kid, you gotta get smarter. You gotta read these books. You gotta gotta Mm -hmm. bring in all the knowledge, right? But they told me to do all these things, but in the wrong direction because they wanted me to read books because they were like, well, if you're a certain level of smart, right? If you're a certain level of intelligence, but in reality, I think it's 60 percent of people see more success in the job place if they have a higher emotional intelligence than they do when they see they have any the actual IQ. Right. Like if that doesn't tell you how to pivot and what you need to focus on, I don't know what does. We talked about the bag. We talked about the environment that you want to be in. If you want to be around these types of things, if you want to really get what you want to get, your emotional intelligence, understanding how you need to show up, right? Understanding what motivates you, right? Understanding how to how to operate in society. I talked about the guy who might be the when you went it went like that. Those are things that he could just work on, right? And then mm-hmm. his emotional intelligence increases. And so what we what we fail to realize is most of these jobs don't have anything to do with this quote unquote intelligence level that we have. Uh, we talk leadership, right? And there's a lot of leaders that I run across, and they say, "Man, if I could just get more talent." If I could just get smarter people, if I could just get people who can critically think better. Right. That's not it. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why they're not critically thinking, because you're probably not tapping into the emotional intelligence or you haven't assessed what level of emotional intelligence. Right. All three of us on this on this podcast right now, the people in the comments right now, they probably they they're listening to the podcast for a reason. Right. We're providing them with some type of knowledge, some type of growth. They go to conferences, right? We go to conferences. We get coaching programs, right? We get all these things to be able to build us up. We read books not to just get knowledge, but we read books to say, okay, how can I operate in these situations? How did that person do this, right? We don't read books just to say, well, another book down. There are some people who do it, but again, that's the wrong direction to go into. And so I should say something about how to show up. We have to understand first and foremost, again, the people of emotion. I used to have an associate every single day will walk in. Hey, how's it going? Good morning. How's it going? You know, every single day I walked in one morning. I was there early. I was like 45 minutes early. I was in the I was in the work. I'm typing along. I'm looking like Kermit. I'm like, let's get it right. (laughs) And so she walks up and I didn't even realize she was right there because she sat like down the end of the row. 
And so the shift started. I'm still working. We had our little power session or whatnot. And she walks up to me and she says, uh, Corey, are you okay today? Uh, I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I, you know, I'm every day, same thing. And she was like, uh, like all of a sudden, I saw one drop. And I was like, oh, boy, here it comes. What's she about to do? And I immediately I took the I took the box and I pushed that thing on over to her because I was like, I don't do crying. Um, and so she I said, so what's wrong? Like, talk to me. I said, you need to go out in the section or whatnot. We can talk about it. And she said, well, you didn't tell me good morning when I walked in this morning. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. But it's understanding that you have to know where people are coming from. She looked forward to that every single morning. Right. She looked forward to me telling that to her and acknowledging her. And the thing is, underlyingly, we may not know that could be the highlight of that person's day. That could Mm -hmm. be the reason a person comes to work every day. We don't know what they deal with outside of work for them to have gotten to work. And this particular individual, for her to get to work every single day, it was big for her. Right. So for me to acknowledge that from her, that's something that she's like, oh, man. I, I know Corey's about to tell me good morning this morning. I know he's going to acknowledge me. I'm going to feel more valuable, right? And so those are the types of things. So I just, I don't want people to forget about IQ. I want people to not put IQ on a pedestal that it's on right now. I want people to mm-hmm. put EQ on a pedestal right now. Because if you put EQ on a pedestal, the data itself alone will tell you that, you, that you're going to go and get what you need to get. Definitely. Like, you know, I, I kind of look at it as... IQ will get you the job, but EQ will help you build the career. Mm, Love it. You know, that's it. That's good. You know, like the the both of you hit on such such vital points, you know, and and I think, too, you know, I agree with you also. I think, too, that people put too much on the IQ part of it. You know, how smart are you? How many degrees can you hang on your office wall? But then nobody likes you. Nobody talks to you. You can't lead people. Or you get put in a in a supervisory you know position and everybody's quitting, you know. We've all seen that person. It's like, dang, they can't never keep people in that section. Like, what what in the world is going on here? They they're smart. They have you know they have this degree. They have this certificate. They've done this training. What's going on? And it, you know, it's what you both alluded to. Their EQ is in the toilet. You know, they don't know how to talk to people. They don't know how to you know, be empathetic. They don't know how to address problems in the proper way. It's, it's like they just have this tunnel vision of being a machine. You know, I know me for myself, like what Corey was just talking about with how other staff notice things about you that you don't even notice about yourself. Like the first time I became a supervisor, I had a similar experience. And, so, you know, it's like maybe one or two o'clock that afternoon. And one of my staff came to my office. It was like, uh, I just got a question. Did I do something? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we, we've been here since 530 this morning. What in the world are you talking about? Did you do something? Well, I want to know why you mad with me. And I'm like, what are you talking about mad with you? Like, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm in a good mood today. But you didn't speak this morning. You know, so I, I definitely, you know, know where you're coming from with that with that one, Corey. Like, it's it's crazy. And I was like, okay, this morning I was running late. I had to do this. I had to do that. I'm trying to get everybody together. I'm supervising 65 people. I'm trying to make sure we get to go and can get up out of here. Didn't even think about it. But any other day, I went and spoke to every single person. That day I didn't. And that person took it personally. And I was like, yo, that's crazy. But in the grand scheme of things, it's the little things like that that matter to your people when you're in a leadership position. 
you know, remembering birthdays or telling somebody, you know, hey, you know, we're thinking about you when they had a loss in the family. You know, show people that you're human, not just that, hey, I have this title. I'm over top of you. You know, I just need you to do your work. Like you said, get your check and go home. Like it's, it's bigger than that. It's so much bigger than that. And, and just so you guys know, that doesn't change in COVID. COVID has forced a lot of leaders to lead a lot differently and engage differently because you're in the virtual space. Every morning, I post a good morning in our group chat. And I put like right now we're doing a Halloween theme, right? So I do memes okay. in there and I say good morning. They look forward to that every morning. By you calling and checking and saying, hey, how you doing? How's the family? I know you're home managing work and the kids. How's it going? Doing those checks and balances are also important. So even though we might not be for some of you all that might not be seeing your team face to face or maybe you do have a virtual team, you work with some VAs. How many of you all are taking five minutes just to talk to them? And again, just like I said, I, we had talked about it earlier um, on the other live, other live we did. I always ask a lot of leaders, can you identify three things that you know about your team? Three things. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about, yes, we know your birthday. You can probably look that up. But do you know that so-and-so likes coffee and they like only Starbucks and they only drink like that strawberry vintage, whatever that stuff is. I'm always trying to drink coffee. <laughs> but do you know that? Do you know that so-and-so is a single mom and she has two twin daughters? Do you know like little, like really intricate mm -hmm. things, right? It might not be super detailed, but like those little things, are you paying attention? Do you know at least three things? And if the answer is no, that means you're not really studying and connecting with your team effectively. So it, it all it takes is a group chat. All it takes is, hey, my my leadership, we created a, uh, a chat group for all the female leaders. We all connect once a week and we talk things out about a variety of things. We've also now included our managers and supervisors underneath of us to check in with them because there was one of them that was struggling during COVID. So all those little small things that you can start incorporating even in this virtual space is important too. So create that group chat, call them, ask them how the kids are doing. Oh man, I, I heard it was picture day today. How did the picture day go? Like little things like that matter. So don't allow engagement to stop just because we are virtual. Find innovative ways, again, to, again, leaders are made, right? Now you have to shift and find a new way to engage virtually. And there's so many apps and different ways you can do that. You can even send virtual birthday cards, by the way. I thought that was really cool. I was like, and you can get people to sign the virtual birthday card. I was like, come through. So it's little things like that that matters to some people. I don't I don't care. I don't think it's a big deal. But for people, they do. So I need to tap into that as a leader. You know, and I'm sitting here laughing because the next question was actually, what are some creative ways that you can lead and motivate your team throughout this pandemic with most work being done remotely? You know, a lot of people are, are struggling right now, you know, because like you said, they, they don't have that face to face interaction. And especially for a lot of people that are like extreme extroverts, they are really going through it right now, you know, having to work remotely. And, and some people, you know, I've talked to said that their supervisors zooming them to death. Like they want to do four or five zones a day just to be around some people and, and converse, you know. So, uh, you know, Corey, I, I guess we'll throw this one to you. It says, I just took the ball and ran with it, uh, not even knowing that that was the next question. So what do you have for this one? No, I got you. And and so before we move on to that, because I got you on that one for sure. Um, just something last about EQ. There's probably some academics out there listening to this. Uh, there's probably some people who are stuck in like academia and they're like, well, I got to get smarter. I got to do this schoolwork. Right. And so something that one of my good friends told me, he ended, he ended up going to Rice University, which is like the they, they call it the Harvard of the South. Right. 
And so he was in this program where he gets a fellowship with all these other Ivy League schools. And so he mm. said, man, did you know going to these Ivy League schools? And he was getting an NBA at the time. He said, did you know getting this, going to Ivy League schools? Man, all they do is like party and take trips. And I was like, well, wait, what? And so I'm thinking about that. And I'm like, well, what, is, what does that mean? And so spoke to one of his uh one of his peers one day and uh he said yeah he said the coursework is pretty is pretty rigorous but he said there's a lot of times where we will go out on a boat like we took a trip overseas together as a class we did these things together we had this fellowship hall and whatnot what is that telling you underlying the eq right because you got to know how to interact in person and so although you have this coursework right the school the ivy league school which typically we put them on a pedestal and say this is like the 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 top institution that you can go to even them they're like let's go ahead and work on this eq underlyingly but to get to your question about how to lead through the pandemic right through virtual learning uh or i should say through virtual teams and whatnot and a lot of you know got trainers right now the trainers have had to pivot from training in person where you can feel the energy of the room where you can feel all mm -hmm. that to you now you got to do it over zoom right you got to do it over webex and so a couple things right the if you don't have webex teams I think it's an amazing tool because you can send on it. They, you have Skype, no shade to Skype, but you can send, what do they call it? GIFs or GIFs? You can send that over, over WebEx teams. So okay. there's days where I've communicated with my team and it's just GIFs all day. Right. And they're just, you shooting one at me. I'll shoot one back at you. You telling me how your mood is, that type of stuff. Okay. Right. Please, please, please do not WebEx. Do not zoom people to death. Because what that what that underlyingly tells people is I don't trust you to work from home. Exactly. I don't really think you're doing what you're doing. When in reality, you can't control that. But what you can control is what is your mood while you're at home, right? So there's certain things that you want to do. We talked about one time um, what I used to do is it's called a power hour, right? So we're not in the office. We're not together. We can't feel off each other. We can't feed off each other, joke around. I can't turn around and be like, hey, is it, is it going good today? Right. So let's do power. We're all in a we're all in a WebEx at one point in time. We're just all talking. How'd your day go? And it could be 15 minutes. It could be 10 minutes just to get that feeling of we're together again. Right. So you want to get that camaraderie. Right. So the other piece to this, and I think it's very vital that we touch on this during like not being face to face during a time where we can't touch each other is I want you to touch the mind of your associates. I want you to touch the mind of your people and how do you develop them, right? Are you taking the time out of your day to really develop people beyond what they're developing right now? So are you tapping into the emotional intelligence, right? What piece did you identify that maybe y'all can work on together, right? We, mm -hmm. We've talked about on the cipher and all this stuff, the disc assessment, we've talked about the Myers-Briggs. Can you tap into that stuff and have them be, oh, wait a minute. And so you're engaging them without even having to be in front of them. They come back with some work, man, did you know? Did you know that I was this type of person? Did you know that I was that? So you can pull them in with different ways without having to be in front of them. So start with start with the GIF though. You can, WebEx teams, it's, it's, it's impeccable. <laughs> Nice. Those the listen. Those memes work, man. I do them every morning, and my team looks forward to it. They're like, my supervisor, my military leader, was like, "Is everything okay? You guys are so quiet." Just because my meme didn't go through, I didn't even realize it didn't go through. And she's like, "What's going on?" And it's so. I'm just like, "Oh, it just didn't go through." So it's those little things that matter. Do the check ins, reach out to people, but just like Corey hit on, 
Like, do you trust your team? And that also, again, there's a level of emotional intelligence. How do they feel? How are they showing up? And then are you assessing the workload? Okay, are things getting done? Are deadlines being met? If they are, then back off a little bit and even mm-hmm. recognize for yourself if you are somebody that needs to be on Zoom all the time because you are an extrovert or you just need that attention or you need to drive people in, then don't kill your team because of that need that you have. I really want you to take time and identify where that need comes from. Is it a deeper rooted issue? Because you Mm -hmm. needed that much FaceTime might be literally a level of personal development that you need to go through versus now you're just remedying it by needing to be around people. We have to realize as leaders, we need time to be alone and self-assess, be self-aware. We need that quiet time and it's hard for some people, but really identify why is it so hard for you to disconnect? Because again, a lot of times it's a deeper rooted issue that you need to process through. And that might be something you need to invest in a therapist, a coach, somebody to help you navigate that because maybe there's a bigger story to why you have to be around people so much. And we want to remedy that because again, now it's affecting our leadership. We have to remember our traumas, our pains, our issues, our vices show up in our businesses. It shows up in our leadership. My trust issues showed up in my leadership. My All that my, my wanted to be in control because I was bullied as a little girl. It came up in, in my leadership. Like, y'all ain't going to bully me, so I'm going to be harder and tougher. <laughs> all that I'm serious. All that yeah. stuff showed up. So how are you? Are you making sure that you're assessing yourself? And again, going through that process of that first phase of emotional intelligence, doing the self-assessment, really understanding yourself, working through that so it doesn't affect how you show up in your business or how you show up it as a leader in your organization. Nice. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break here. Um, you are live once again on the Success is Within Reach podcast. You can follow along with us at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. Um, we're taking a quick break from one of our sponsors for this episode, Breakthrough Kings, and we'll be right back. So we're going to switch it just a little bit. Uh, This next question is, what is your process for creating a healthy company culture? Uh, For this one, we'll start with Aisha. Well, it starts with the the beginning phase. Like a lot of companies and organizations and leaders don't take time. Like that first 30 days is so essential because when someone walks into an organization, they know within that first 30 days if they're going to stay or leave. So what is happening? What is your new employee orientation process? Maybe your company doesn't have it. Maybe as a business owner, you don't have it. But that process is going to be so important. So that's that's going to be the first phase. When that person comes in, that is your first opportunity to get to know them. Are you walking them around? Around. Like even in the military, they have a, a thing they call a sponsor. So me, mm-hmm. I'm about to relocate to the Washington D.C. area, and they're already like, okay, we already have this person as your sponsor. This is someone that it will meet me at the airport. 
This is the person that's going to let me know what to expect in D.C. What's the weather going to be like? These are the best schools. These are the best spaces. Do you have any questions? So even before I get to the organization, I have somebody I can connect with that prepares me for that transition. When I get there, they're going to be like, hey, what do you need? Do you have questions until I get that level of comfortability? But a lot of people come on to work and it's just like, here's your roles, responsibilities. Let's start training right away. So it starts from that first meet and greet. What kind of things are you doing to really build that relationship in the front end? And then don't just stop it there. You want to maintain it and continue that connectivity. We don't want to be leaders and we're only um, uh, addressing our team members only when it's, again, that six month review or that annual review or when something bad happens. How often are you connecting with them? And if you're building your relationship like that with every single on your team, the culture is going to be healthy. You're going to have mm -hmm. that authenticity. You're going to have that trust. You're going to have that company loyalty because we want to keep people in the organizations. I did a leadership series, excuse me, a retention series. And I was talking about different reasons why people quit organizations because statistics say individuals typically quit the leader, not the organization. So they will quit you first. So it's yeah. so important that you are building relationships with your team members from the beginning, the middle, it, it, in between, even all the way to the end. And if you're building that, then essentially the company culture is going to be healthy. So really take time from the beginning and really maintain that even as you're moving to different tiers, what are you doing to make sure that relationally you guys have a healthy relationship? What are you doing to make sure there's inclusivity? You're getting feedback and information from different people. You're becoming a door opener. You're hearing the voices of women. You're hearing the voices of African-Americans. You're hearing voices of every diverse group in that organization. And all those pieces need to be important. But the first, first factor of all of those is relationship building. If you can build a relationship, then the rest of that is going to basically be easy to do. No, and that's good. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is what's your mission and values? And then are you living by it? Right. Because mm -hmm. once you start those mission and values and you you start to tell yourself like, OK, this is where I want my company to go. This is where. And, and here's the thing. Your company may have a vision and, 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 and mission statement. Even as a leader, when you get in there, you want to really dive down and understand what what do I want my team to be right? And so the one of the things is I'm a big Baltimore Ravens fan, right? So I guess I I guess I'll meet y'all on the on the East Coast one of these days. But <laughs> one of the biggest things is they they preach culture, right? They always talk about mm -hmm. this is the Ravens way. So the NFL has their own like mantra and what they stand for and all that stuff. But the Baltimore Ravens say this is who we are, right? We're hard nosed, hard working, hard hitting, right? We show up to work every single day. This is what we do. And I think there's a lot of teams out here who we don't we don't show up and or we don't put ourselves in place to know, like, what are what, who are we? What are we good at? What are we going to you know, what are we going to be known for? And so those are the types of things where you start to build that culture. Right. So once you figure out and give you give you let it be a team, figure that out. Say, what, mm -hmm. what are the top three things we want to be known for? Right. And then you can start to embody that. And you can say, you know what? We want to be efficient. We want to have great customer service and we want to, um, I don't know, contact every customer or something like that. Right. And so then you start to embody that and you start to say, you know what? No matter what, we know that we're efficient in doing our job. The customer service, if they come to this section, this is what it's going to sound like. Right. 
And then finally, you got that last piece where it's like, you know, we we want to embody this entire thing of who we are. Although, yes, there's mission and values. And the reason I wanted to talk about that was because there's a lot of people who say, well, I guess I just have to do what the company tells me. I guess I just got to do what this person tells me. Right. But that's not necessarily true. You yourself, when you're building your team, as long as it aligns with the company's values. Right. You can go in there and say, you know, what are, what are we going to be known for? Right. The company says this, right? But what are we going to band together and really be known for? What are we in this department to really do? And the thing is, is once you start to build that culture, it starts to spread, right? Because other teams are like, well, what are we known for? I don't think we're known for anything. So I think that's the best way to do it is like culture, mission, values, like, and, and then whether you are the person setting the standard for what the overall umbrella is or not, figure out with my team of people, what are we doing? Like, what is the thing that we're doing? Mm. You know, I, th I think one thing that I would add to that, too, is understand that it all starts and ends with you. You know, when you're setting the culture, don't, you know, just look down. Be willing to, to come down, get in the trenches, help your people out. You know, when you see that there's a, a gap, be willing to fill that gap. You know, people absolutely despise a supervisor manager leader whichever title you want to give them that won't help out especially when they see everybody struggling you know things like that can can destroy your culture quick very very quickly you know um lead by example don't just bark out orders and directives you know like course said, live with what it is that you're projecting to your people you know um also what aisha was saying building those relationships especially when people are brand new to your team like that that's golden that that is absolutely golden you know we have to get rid of the the old school mentality that you just get ojt on the job training like you just jump in i'm gonna sit you at a desk i'm gonna tell you what you got to do and i'm out you just figure it out on your own and learn as you go like nah that, that's a quick way to have a vacancy in, in today's climate, that is a very quick way to have a vacancy and, and a high recidivism rate, you know, like build those relationships, be willing to train people, be willing to, to show people that, OK, yes, I hired you to do this job, but I'm going to show you how to do it, show you how to do it efficiently. And it's OK if you mess up, because guess what? None of us are perfect and we all go get this thing right. You know, put put that team mentality into all of your people and your culture is, is going to run like a well-oiled machine, you know, most definitely. And so so one of the things, uh, Shannon, I want to tell them is when you when you set the precedence for who you are, walk in it and don't don't be ashamed for what it is. And so uh, I, I, I just want to tell you all a funny story real quick. So one of the things that I always preach to teams is allow people to be adults. Right. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I fully believe that the leader is then mirrored. So if. The leaders acts childish if the leader acts like they they are this like caretaker of children guess what the people are going to act like children right and mm -hmm. so then you're going to be like oh i got to do everything for them right and so i had a situation one time where my whole team they knew you're adults you turn your time in yourself i'm not doing your time and this is in a position where some of these supervisors some of these managers were just inputting the time for you they weren't you know you weren't responsible for doing that type of stuff and so <laughs> We get into the situation, payday happened or whatnot. And one of my people, she was kind of new to the team, still there for like a month or two or whatnot. 
And uh, again, everything I preach is you are responsible for your career. You're responsible for your pay, your metrics. Right. I'm here. I'm here to support you. And so me knowing in the back of my mind, I'm like, OK, we can get a, a check cut out soon. If y'all can see where I'm going with this pay that hit, that check was short. Uh -huh. And she hit me up and she said, hey, what's uh, what's going on with my check? Um, I'm short probably about seven hundred dollars. And I was like, my, my, my. Hmm. <laughs> uh, wow. Did you check your timesheet? And so she said, uh, yeah, I checked it. It was all filled out. I said, well, just do me a favor. Go ahead and check that again for me. Send me a screenshot. And I'm playing crazy right now. I'm like, just send me a screenshot. I'll send it to HR. I'll make sure I tell them, like, yo, y'all messed this girl's timesheet up and whatnot. And then I'll get it kicked over to them. And so she goes in and she was like, oh, man, I got like three days of pay missing off this. I got three days that's not even put on this. I was like, oh, I know. And so she's saying this in front of everybody. And like my team turned around and was like, I mean, he said you were grown. You kind of <laughs> got to be mindful of like your own stuff. So the thing was, obviously, I wasn't money is very important to people. And I wanted to make sure she got a check. So the check ended up getting issued like the very next day, direct deposit or whatnot. But the thing is, is like I walk in, I'm going to treat you like an adult. Therefore, you should act mm -hmm. like an adult. Right. So I'm not going to sit here and hold your hand on should you put your time in. My time is in. Right. I'm getting paid. The other people, Facts. their time is in. They getting paid. Right. So clearly the money wasn't that important to you if you forgot to input the time that you were. And so that, that's one of the things is like a lot of people will say, this is what I'm about. This is what I talk and then kind of give on it and be like, ah, but not in this situation. Now, if you if you're going to say this is who you are, walk that. Definitely. Now, this next one is a, a really, really big uh I guess, pain point for a lot of leaders in the workplace. Um, how do you overcome generational differences in the workplace? <laughs> and I see both of y'all start laughing, you know. Because we literally <laughs> just talked about this. Like, go ahead and roll, it, roll the leadership Q&A. Go ahead and roll that and say Exactly, that. right? <laughs> you know, like know. everybody wants to throw around this word uh, work ethic, work ethic. Oh, millennials or Gen X or Gen Z or whatever case, people always talk about work ethic. And it's really not work ethic. It's just trying to overcome generational differences. What you think I'm supposed to be doing for eight hours is not how I see I'm supposed to do my job for eight hours. I can listen to Spotify and have my earbuds in while I'm working. I don't need to just sit there and stare at the monitor for eight hours straight, punch my time card and go home. So how do you overcome generational differences in the workplace to jail your team together and have them overcome those barriers? You want to start? I, I, I'll go ahead and take because I'm going to let you take us home on this. One. OK, OK. <laughs> so look, in any single workplace, right, we have to understand the generations. Right. And I, I should touch on that earlier. Right. So she's the elder millennial. Right. But a lot of people in these world, <laughs> like a lot of people in the workplace will be like, you know what? Those darn millennials, they don't work. They don't have a work ethic and blah, 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 blah. And mm -hmm. I'm like, actually, you're a millennial without you knowing it. So you're saying this without saying, but it, it, and it comes down to the person, right? So you may have some baby boomers. And I just said, mm -hmm. I said this earlier, I was like, you might have some baby boomers that look, mama uh, here's the text queen, text God, right? <laughs> she can Google anything. She got the videos rolling and she can excel in WebEx and all that, all that stuff together. Right. She might've mm -hmm. made this backdrop for this, for this podcast right now. 
but you might have somebody <laughs> yourself that I'm like, I need somebody to do this background for me because I'm uh-huh. this is not my realm. Right. But most people would think, oh, he's a millennial. He's more technology savvy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not mm-hmm. that person. Right. I am to a certain level of uh, technology savvy. But that's the thing is, I mean, you can't one number one, you can't judge the generation just for what it is. Right. But you exactly. can gain insight by knowing what this generation enjoys. Right. So if you get mm-hmm. yourself a Gen X, they probably like for you to come up and talk to them. Right. They want the handshake. They want the, the person to come up and be face to face. Right. If you go to a millennial, you go to a Gen Z, they, they probably just want you to shoot them a text. And the, the question for them is, is this emailable or is this textable? Because otherwise we're wasting time here. And you probably could have just shot me something that I could have read it over. Right. And so understanding those key factors, right, understanding how these people interact with each other. And the biggest thing to always building a team is how do you leverage what they know and what they don't know? Right. I have I've had uh, he was. Yeah, he was a baby boom at the time. So I've had I've had a baby boom on my team and I've had millennials on my team. I am a millennial. I have to learn how to guide him, how to interact with him. Right. And so that's the thing is. He has a certain level of, of experience. He has a certain level of what he likes and dislikes that me, myself, I might not have that. Somebody else on my team, because I, I literally have someone who's 21 years old that was on my team, which would, they're Gen Z, right? So that's the thing. That person was then able to learn, oh, when I'm dealing with this type of person, that's what I need to do, right? And he was like, yep. When I'm dealing with, with when I'm dealing with, the, oh, he said, oh, young cat over here. You know, when I'm dealing with that old young cat, you know, I need to be quick with it. Right. I don't need to take all this time and I don't need I don't want to hand deliver some mail and all this other stuff. I could shoot him an email. I could shoot him a text, you know, and he'll get the point or whatnot. So that's the thing. Understand what generations you have, but then dive down deeper to understand. Are they truly part of that? Because, like I said, I mean, my mom might be the Google God out here. Right. And then I even think mm-hmm. about I think about my parents. Right. So my, my old papa, honey. That my grandpa, right? He was a farmer. He gonna show up to that field every single day, whether uh-huh. whether that paycheck comes or not, because that is who I am. And I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna farm. I'm gonna do what I need to do. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna tell my wife about it. We are gonna eat dinner. I'm gonna get up and do it again, right? Me myself or somebody that might be a Gen Z, they're gonna be like, shoot, I showed up. I got paid. How much vacation time do I have? <laughs> because I live to, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I work yeah. so I can live. I don't I don't live so I can work. And so that you you see like my dad, you my grandpa, they're going to show up and be like, you know what? I'm putting 40 years in here. I'm good. Staring at the screen. No Spotify. Mm-hmm. I'm good to go. Right. But then you have somebody like myself that I'm like, I've listened to 12 podcasts today while my while I've been looking at my screen. And so it doesn't take anything away. So we have to think those we have to take those biases as as Aisha says, right? Better take those biases away and understand that we're still getting the same work done, right? It's just in a different manner because I need to be stimulated different. But just exactly. understand when you deal with generations, one generation or one really one half of generations live to live to work, the other half works to live. So yeah, I mean, we were talking about emotional intelligence earlier. Now we're pivoting to generational intelligence. We have to realize, again, I do a lot of unconscious bias training, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And one of the things I like to make people aware of first is what is your unconscious bias? Where did you learn about the world, right? And a lot of times it's either our families, it's media. Media has a lot to do with it. I'm West African. I learned a lot about America from watching TV. 
All of it wasn't accurate. <laughs> Watching all them hip hop videos, I was like, ooh, the hood. I'm like nervous. Oh, like this, where the, this how black Americans live? That wasn't a fact. And I was watching Family Matters. I assumed this is how family were. So again, oh. a lot of us have to identify our unconscious bias, our worldview, what's shaping that. And then that also happens when it comes to generations because just like Corey was saying, you might have an individual that might have experienced you know, Gen Zers or um, Gen X in a certain realm, right? And now they're assuming, assuming, or it might've been one interaction and now they're assuming everybody is this way. And they're assuming this is gonna be their experience. And you have to re realize first that every generation, their worldview is different because they've experienced life differently. You have one generation that grew up in the Great Depression and now you have a whole nother generation that's growing up where social media, the internet, everything you can call, or oop, like everything is just quick on demand. That's a big gap in, in different experiences. So their worldview is different. You have a generation that grew up during segregation and it was fine. Like you can work here, I can work here, I'm fine with it. Now you mm -hmm. have another generation that's looking for diversity, inclusion. They're looking for a variety of different mm -hmm. individuals within the workplace. So again, we all can learn something from one another, but we also have to understand our differences. So for many of us, we have to unlearn some things and learn the right things. And in order for you to do that, you have to really understand the different dynamics of generation. And again, when we talk about leadership, we have to innovate our leadership and start to tap into these tools, these assessments, these generational IQ or EQ or generational uh, aspects of training so we can understand the dynamic of the workplace. Because even in the workplace, this is the first time that you've seen so many different generations in the workplace. The CEO might be a whole baby boomer and you might have a team that goes all the way down to a Gen Z. And Gen Zers are dealing with the level of ageism. See, ageism mm -hmm. right now is defined by like the elderly, 45, typically 50 and up. Well, the definitions and even the, the things that protects them is typically for those 50 plus year olds. Who's being left behind? The 21 year olds the youngins that are going into workplaces that are now being discriminated against because of their age. And they're looking at them like, okay, we already know. And it shows just like Corey was saying, like you have a generation that lived to work and now you have a generation that's working to live. Well, those individuals don't stay in an organization too long because they know their worth. Yes, mm -hmm. grandma and all them used to work their neck. I mean, just work all day and then come home, complain and say, man, I worked all these hours and this is my check. Well, you have a generation that's saying, I will no longer work in an organization that doesn't allow me to take my vacation. I want work-life balance. I need to have self-care. I need to take care of myself. So that is actually a good thing, but we're judging them based off of it. So for us as leaders, again, how are you innovating your education to have not only emotional intelligence, but also generational intelligence? So you know how to tap into all these different great minds who have different experiences and know how to have them work as a co cohesive network and know that the Gen Zers are going to bring you that innovation and change that's going to allow your company and your business to thrive. But then also that baby boomer has that knowledge and wisdom that you also need because they have some tools and information that's going to benefit your business and your company as well. So yes, again, it's going to take a lot of leaders to actually educate themselves, learn about the different generations, learn how to tap into everybody individually versus judging people based off of the biases that have been created because their worldview lacks. Definitely. Like I, I remember 
so vividly my my first supervisor position and just the looks on people's faces when I came in, like I got kids older than him. How is he coming in here and gonna tell us what to do and all of this? Like it, it was absolutely crazy. I got 65 staff ranging from 19 all the way up to like 62. I want to say 62, 63. And it it was it was absolutely bananas. Like it, it took me a good two months to really gain their respect and say, you know what? Yeah, I do have kids older than him, and, and yeah, I am old enough to be his mom or his dad. But this, you know, this young man knows what he's doing, you know. And it's it's one of those things like I, I tell people: just keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing. Don't get frustrated because, as you've heard, you know, both of our guests say, it's it's not a personal attack on you. It's just biases that people have, and you can be the most nice, respectful, positive person. But we're human and to an extent we all have biases about something or someone so don't take it personal you know if you're in this leadership position just keep pressing on do your job do a phenomenal job build those relationships the ones that give you that pushback take, take a little extra time and sit down with them let them know where you're coming from and what you're about yes i'm here not going anywhere i'm about my business and we're gonna get this thing done and, and have a, a true team environment here you know, and they'll come around definitely. Yeah, and you know, the, the the thing is, just don't judge a generation by its cover. Like, yeah. the, don't judge a generation by its cover. There, there's a there's a situation I saw. As a matter of fact, I was on a plane, and uh, the kid had to be about 15, 16, maybe. My man had a had a flip phone. So first and foremost, that's what caught my eye. I was like, <laughs> they, they still make flip phones? Wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, wait. And so he had the flip phone. Didn't even have a camera on it. Right. It just had the little the little bar with the time on it. But here's oh, the killing man. part. My man was 15, 16 year old. Right. But then all of a sudden he started doing like. With his hands and I was like, is my man really making shadow puppets on the plane? Like he had the little light flying and I'm like, my man making a shadow put like he doing the little shadow puppet thing on here. <laughs> and I was like, yo, somebody is in a rude awakening when they get involved with him because they're going to be like, he ain't got no type of technology, but again, oh, don't judge a generation by his cover because you would look at somebody like that and think that this 15, 16 year old will run circles around you with tech. Right. And so the last thing I'll say on that though, is that stop, stop misconstruing efficiency with laziness. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been, absolutely phenomenal i can't thank both of you enough for coming and joining me on this evening's podcast i know the three of us we can go for three four hours especially on leadership and management uh, but before we get out of here i want to ask what's next for you uh and how are you closing out 2020 and transitioning into 2021 what projects do you have going on um i know you know you all both have your own you know series for leadership and coaching uh, you have a third partner as well so just let everybody know where they can find you what you have going on and what is it that you're doing to transition into this next year yeah so i mean the the biggest thing right now is y'all just be on the lookout so we're we're about to launch our coaching cohort right um, and so if, if y'all want to be a part, we got about three slots left. And so we're going to take you through everything, right? So we're going to take you through emotional intelligence, um, your leadership development, your, uh, your intelligence development, right? Your, how to move in and out situations, how to place people, how to understand yourself, 
what's your story as a leader, right? We walk into businesses and you would think about, oh man, I'm just a leader. The people who get promoted, the people who really bring themselves to a higher level, they have a story to tell, right? We always hear these CEOs that's like, man, I started off in the mail room, right? That's a story to tell, <laughs> right? But a lot of people don't walk in and say, what's going to be my story, right? Am mm -hmm. I going to be the person that one day say, man, I worked through the mail room and I made it to CEO. I made it to CFO, right? So what story can you tell? And that goes into everything, right? Your presentation skills, right? There's a lot of leaders out here who you get in front of people, you go to present and you're like, here's the numbers. Okay, bye. You don't really know how to articulate that information, right? So we're going to walk you through all that, right? So we've got about three slots left. Y'all can go to actandleadconsulting.com, uh, right? And um, yeah, it, so that's how we're closing out the year. Going into this year, we also have, uh, before I forget about it, Aisha, on Monday, uh, it's free to the public, the uh, SBDC for uh, U uh, University of Texas San Antonio. Uh, we're, about to, we're about to drop free game, basically, on them. Uh, for their people. So it's free of charge. Y'all go ahead and sign up on it. Um, yeah. And then we're just going to close it out with the coaching. We got a couple more gigs coming up, but then it's starting, starting a year, starting a year off strong because we got a, got a lot of or organizational health checks to do. If you have an organization out there, let us do that for free and let's, let us figure out what, what is, what opportunities you have. Right. And so I'll let Aisha take it away. Cause we have a, we have a couple more things, but I can keep going. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's true. And the great thing about the 12V cohort is that there's going to be women in leadership breakout sessions. Um, and again, for all the women leaders out there, those that are trying to navigate business. And of course, we know there's certain biases and things we have to navigate as women. That aspect is within that program. So I'm so excited to connect with women. Um, we love y'all fellas. We do. But our experiences is different. <laughs> We do. We love y'all. But our experiences are different um, from me. I'm a single mother of two, but I've been able to write three books, not just two, Shannon. I wrote three. OK, three. Hey, OK, excuse I wrote me. Right. Right. The next one, what, uh, Elder Millennial. Right. Elder Millennial. Books. Elder millennial. But, <laughs> but I've been able to write three books. I've been able to run a business full time and also run a full time military leadership role. And so it is mm. possible. But again, we have to navigate and we have to navigate life and experiences and the world differently because of those biases. So I'm really excited about being having to be able to have those breakout sessions so we can have those discussions and all those additional perks are attached to that. So definitely sign up for that. And just like Corey said, the um, conversation we're having is about the psychology of business communication. And we're going to talk about emotional intelligence in marketing communication. So you can have that understanding of how to connect with your team members. So go to at act lead consult. Again, it's at act lead consult on Facebook and look in the events tab and you can sign up there. And again, for me, if you want to grab one of my books, one of them is called, I just released it on my graduation and I just got a degree y'all. I was able to do this as a single parent. Come on Congrats. ladies. Come on single dads. Come on y'all. It's possible. And I did it with a full-time job. So definitely go grab those books. Um, AishaThomas.org backslash shop. First one is called The Trendsetting Woman. I talked about the process. Like I talked about how I had to heal. I had to go through, um, really go through some personal development for me to be able to truly walk in purpose. So that's The Trendsetting Woman, Seven Steps to a Redefined Identity. And then I did my second book, Leader, Leader Set Trends. And it gives you five retention secrets. So it talks about the generational differences. It talks about bias 
place. It talks about even um, emotional intelligence and that walks you through how you keep a team. Because again, as business leaders, we want to keep our team members there, but how? And it walks you through that process. It also has a workbook component. So please, AishaThomas.org backslash shop or at Lead Consult, or you can follow me on I, at Miss Aisha Speaks. Let's connect and let's get you to the next level as we're transitioning into 2021. Don't let COVID stop you at all because it hasn't stopped me, I'm just saying. <laughs> Facts. Once again, I'm your host, Shannon Smith. You can find me at the underscore CEO underscore within on Instagram or at www.theceowithinyou.com. As always, thank you for joining us on Saturday. This podcast will be uploaded on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and there's a few more that are coming up this week. Thank you once again to my guests. Definitely going to have you all back on here. Like, follow, share, facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. And with that one, we are out. We'll be right back.